Over the years, I've been extremely lucky to somehow, through some accident of fate, have a number of amazing musicians in my life. I always wished I could be a musician. I really never was, was a producer. And, uh, and in Worcester, in the Boston area, I ran into uh, Cliff Goodwin and a whole bunch of uh, amazing, talented people. We started making Twisted Tunes. And when we got to Seattle, the next phase of the Bob River Show was the creation of the band Spike and the Impalers. And when we started the band, this gentleman came along, Dudley Taft. Uh, Dudley was, I think he was working down at Bad Animals or something, and he was just an amazing guitar player. And he had a ton of energy, and for, God, I don't know how many years, probably 10 years, he was on stage with us in some big venues. Now, since then, Dudley has gone on with his blues band to tour the world. There is so much interesting about Dudley, but before I get to telling you about it, let's just play a little Dudley Taft for you. Here's a video called, what is it called? I don't know, you'll figure it out. Here it comes. Is such a power groove. Thanks, man. Why'd you stop it before the solo? That's that <laughs> <laughs> so funny. On radio, like I would start to fade it out and I would do your introduction because <laughs> it would be bumper yeah. music. Uh, I've got one more of your songs called Skin and Bones. I'll play the whole thing at the end. Uh, normally, when we, we play a video, by the way, we get flagged for copyright infringement. Is your stuff registered? Is Facebook going to break us out? No, it. I mean, it. You should just say, "Oh, yeah, okay," and let it do its okay, thing. We'll see, we'll see what happens. Let's it's bring. The, let's bring on our co-hosts for this evening, Mr. Spike O'Neill of Spike and the Impalers, and uh, uh, Dudley. Since you're the uh, you're the artist, can we have permission, real quick? Yeah. yeah. Is it okay? Yeah. Hold yeah. on, I got no sound, Bob. I got no sound. I'm gonna come back in. All right, come back in. Uh, uh, we've got Spike O'Neill over here from 97.3 Cairo News Radio. And my partner in Boston, Zip Zipfell, who, again, like yourself, uh, came into my life as a musician uh, when I was just a DJ trying to make parodies. And he's an incredible drummer, multi-instrumentalist. And I thought he'd appreciate what you do, Dudley. So he's probably, you're meeting Dudley for the first time, right? 
Yes, up, Dud, how are you? Good to meet great. you, man. <laughs> so, uh, okay, Spike will be back in just a second. But uh, tonight, I want to I want to find out a little more about this guy Dudley because Dudley. Like, can you hear me now, real quick? Before yeah, before we move all on, set. I believe that song is called "Digging Up Grandma" from the album. What do you mean I'm not in the will? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought that groove was so deep it should be called double penetration. That's what I. Oh. <laughs> oh. Well, hey, I, did, I did not just play a movie in your mind. You played it for yourself. So, okay, um, Dudley, uh, let's let's just t start to tell a little bit of your story. Um, you were born a poor black child. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, now, where did you come from? Uh, you didn't start in Seattle, I don't think. No, uh, I was born in D.C., but only lived there for about six months until uh, my dad decided to move back to cincinnati so i kind of grew up in cincinnati and in, in like a like sort of a golf club sort of suburb area and uh luckily uh escaped when i was nine i mean uh how do you uh, how do you escape when you're nine i threatened well, to run away when i was nine but I, I didn't get far well i mean so my parents got divorced when i was about nine years old so uh, that's been kind of one of the things that sort of set my life up for for being a, a rolling stone or whatever you have. Just a nomad. Silly moving. Yeah. Uh, because my my new stepdad, so we immediately moved to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania for 18 months and then Houston, Texas for 18 months. And this is all like 19. Houston was amazing because they discovered rock before they knew what the hell was going on in ohio or philadelphia i'll tell you that because i'm immediately it was like all the guys at school were listening to rock and roll wearing bell-bottom pants goody combs feathered hair this is 1979 yeah this is good times and then somehow we had to move to indianapolis and so that was kind of a drag after going down to houston which was really actually kind of cool back at that point um, but then I went to boarding school in Connecticut, college in California, and I lived there for two years after college. Then I moved to Seattle in 1990 okay. until 2011. And so that's Se Seattle to Nashville and Nashville back home to Cincinnati. No, not no. Nashville. No, we we went to uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Oh, okay. That's that's a, another sidebar dealio on that. Yeah, so. We're going to get to the South and how much you loved the people of the South. I think that'll go over well. Oh, I'm five. Yeah, you, you'll see. You'll see. The story. Okay. Uh, so uh, are you a guitar <laughs> player from a, a very young age? At what point? Like you're born. And by the way, I, I did put it in the in the graphic. I think it's really cool that you're the direct descendant of the United States president. And, um, I, I, you know, to me, it was cool. Bill Clinton, right? During your mom's yeah. time in Washington. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I never asked about it and we never talked about it. And I kind of wonder, is that even a thing to you or does it have no effect on your life? Um, well, actually it's, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting wrinkle. Okay. So obviously I had no say in, in moving away mm -hmm. from, when I was nine years old, because <laughs> half family had been here for ages. Yes, okay. that I mean, 
generations since the late 1800s. And so uh, there was a reputation in town for being a Taft and some were in politics and some were in business and all were pretty well to do. And everybody was, you know, was supposed to go to the Taft boarding school in Yale for mm. college and, you know, become a lawyer and, and cause everybody else had done that through the so, general. So the family, uh, and, and by the way, some of this, I did do a little Wikipedia, uh, reading up on William Howard Taft. He went to Yale, uh, born in Cincinnati. Yeah. So that's your, that's your home base. Um, he was, uh, shall we say on the right, on the right side of politics. Um, and, yeah. What I read, though, was very interesting things about him. I read that he didn't really want to be the president. That was like his least favorite job. He wanted to be a Supreme Court justice. And uh, he became president just because he was asked to do it as the most likely candidate to win. Like, kind of like a Joe Biden kind of a deal. Is that is that her? Or am I like already with Wikipedia well, more okay. interested than you are? I'm just curious. So, I mean, there's a book called The Bully Pulpit, and it explains in the beginning of the book. You know, sort of why he decided to be president. But honestly, to me, the more interesting things about him were that number one, he helped the Philippines gain their independence. He was he worked really hard to, um, you know, make let them form their own democracy. And so that I find is interesting. Obviously, being a Supreme Court justice is you know and pretty much you know was that ain't a, what it used to be though the supreme court justice thing in <laughs> last last few well, years that i, I just I, get, I get a lot more better tables at the restaurant than it does lately yeah 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 you're you're, you're exactly right <laughs> but you know what whatever i mean he had a several brothers and i'm descended from one of them the less remarkable of them as it turns also out the thinner of them i think uh, yeah. yeah. Although, you know, it's it's funny because <laughs> when I start when I moved to Seattle, I started growing a little hair down here because yeah, 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 yeah. and so I had like, you know, just a little bit going and then it kind of got bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, you know, my my mom and my dad hated it and everything. And I looked at this picture of William Howard Taft and Char his brother Charles Phelps Taft and some mm -hmm. other dude. Like all that big fucking beards. I'm like, the fuck? I'm bringing it back. Yeah. Right. No, you're right. doing the cutting edge out here. It's the, brand. Uh, I've the always North called West, you. Man. I've always called you ZZ Taft. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the beard oh. is your. It's your trademark. Uh, well, right, so let's I, I like. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, all right. I mean, just finishing up on this huge, I, I guess I always figured if you were, you know, descended from presidential timber that there would be Secret Service around you. I guess after a few generations, um, it, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't make any difference. Does it affect if, if you? If you drop your cocaine, Fox News will be all over your shit. I've got to be careful of the files. I'm yeah. yeah. Does, now, that, does having that history in your family affect how you look at the world? uh politically oh. or you know globally and civilization um, definitely not politically no 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 and, and look i'm really a, a child of the west coast because i went to college i mean i was there since i was like 17 you know and i lived there until you know i was in my early 40s or something so 
I was there for a long, long time, and I'm really, I'm not going to say that I'm like a, a, you know, a lefty Democrat or whatever, but I've always kind of thought the answer was somewhere in the middle because, you know, uh, politics is really, really polarized and everything, but... Hmm. There are factions of my family with which, you know, I do disagree. And one of the issues was the legalization of marijuana. Yes. There are um, our cousins that were involved in the governor and, you know, he and his wife were against it. And, you know, uh, my brother and I were for it for various reasons. And you can, you know, talk about the methods all you want, but. You know, we were of the generation where, you know, it's kind of like, dude, everybody smokes pot. Let's just try to make sure there are no weird chemicals in it. And that's harder for them to get. And, you know, make it so drug dealers can't make any money off of it. If we just do that, I mean, that's just not earth. You know, it's not like I'm. There should be billboards uh, everywhere and dispensaries on every corner. And so while, we're at, kind it, of politics, while we're at it, let's charge five times as much for a cup of coffee and have a naked mermaid. And we'll do that, too. You are ahead of your time. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. In a very sorry. I, 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 I interrupted your train of thought. Go ahead. No, no, no I, I followed yours, and that, that's awesome. But <laughs> no, no, and being back here in Cincinnati is a little different because some people may think of me as part of that, you know, the older, you know, family and stuff. But when I look like this, you know, and it, it just, instantly uh, it's okay it's hmm. it's it's all good here all right well it's cool. a nice city and i and, and i'm gonna do one more one more little clip uh because i i searched for this today and it and it, i thought it was really interesting it's a famous audio clip it's only a minute long of howard taft and this would have been he was president till about 1912 i think 1911 1912 yeah oh um, nine to 13 or 12, yes, 12, yeah. And uh, and so you know how you find those the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Those audio clips, <laughs> I'm sure you must have heard this one, but I thought it was really heartwarming. So let's give it let's a hear it. Work. Let's hear it. I am willing to admit that war has accomplished much in the progress of the world. I'm willing to admit that there are certain crises in the forward march of Christian civilization that perhaps could not have been met in any other way than by the sword. I'm willing to admit that war develops certain heroic traits in men and furnishes a test for the evidence of the highest character. Perhaps, too, it trains and disciplines people. But the other side of the picture justifies the prayer of every man, of every civilized man, that war should be abolished, and that the suffering, cruelty, corruption and demoralization that follow in its train should be, as far as we can bring it about, lifted as a burden from the human race. It is our duty to take every legitimate and proper step we can to persuade the nations of the world to settle their controversies in some other way. Ah. Yeah. That was on the eve of World War One, too. So. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. five years so, later, we'd be in World War One. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, but, I mean, very sane, you know, a very sane character. And I think, you know, the Republican Party back then was a much, much different one than it is now. 
where you know we wanted to just hey let's keep this let's keep everything down with the or let's not get crazy let's not spend a ton of money <laughs> keep your mistress quiet family values uh yeah yeah, yeah. and 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 from the village right and the town and mm. you know so i don't know that's well, but, I, I loved that piece of audio because it, it made it me, is nice. Yeah, it's it made nice. me feel that he uh, had a good heart. And I know and I know from everything I read uh, that he did. And it's good for uh, Spike to know that a Republican can have a good heart. Hey, I know that. Um, did you find any tape on Charles Taft, his brother, Charles Blacksheet Taft, <laughs> blues man? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Blind oh. Lemon Taft. <laughs> Blind Lemon Taft. Oh, that's great. All right. So this isn't about him, but I did. Yeah, I did. I did want to do the name dropping because we do um, name dropping Bob. As it you know, on. you know, Bob. At the end of the day, yeah. that and seven bucks will get me a beer at the airport. Right at the airport. Yeah. <laughs> well, then you must be getting your beer uh, half off. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, anyway, back That's back right. to who this is really about, which is you, uh, Dudley. You're an incredible guitarist. Uh, living in a time where music has been commoditized, record companies don't really exist in the form they used to. And these... Nope. <laughs> that's your dog, right? Or whose dog? Mine. Oh, that's, that's mine. Um, All and, dogs say nope. And you have <laughs> given your life to being a musician. I mean, a working musician. You tour, you travel, you have a band. And... Um, <laughs> he's muting you don't have to mute but that's funny uh, no it's like spike used to actually do that on purpose he used to go ruff, 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 and now he's got a dog um so uh so just a couple things i want to hear your philosophy why you're a musician why you de dedicated your whole life to that and a little bit about how you play the guitar what you do like maybe your influences but at the end of the day after your influences the influence is you, right? It's what you want to do to be unique. Yeah. Oh God. All right. Well, um, you know, it was, it was something I, I think I feel really lucky because when, when I was about 12, I just sort of latched on to the guitar and it's, it was sort of like an infection. It wasn't just like, oh, this is kind of fun. I'm going to do this. Man, guitar is really hard. Okay. And if you pick up somebody's shitty acoustic, which is normally where everybody starts, it's like trying to swing a bat with like two, like those heavy donuts on it. You know, it's just like, I don't know why people like to do this, you know, but the noise that it made was so amazing to me. And I don't know why it just caught fire. And, and, you know, some of my friends were into sports and other things. I just felt, but I also felt like in a way it was, I didn't feel like, Oh, I'm lucky. I've found something. It was sort of like, well, I can't really play football because I'm scrawny and get my ass kicked. I'm not very fast. I'm not a good runner. Don't really give a sh shit about sports really. And do I have to play? And, you know, I love I loved other things, you know, music and culture and art and shit. And so it was easy for me to, to do it. But after a long time, you know, decades of doing it, I realized I was lucky to have this thing sort of bite me. So, you know, the thing was, 
okay, I, you know, I wanted to be a rock star. I had these posters on my wall, you know, Jimi Hendrix and, you know, Eric Clapton and Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page and Richie Blackmore and, you know, and it's like, I'm going to do that, you know? So, <laughs> but what, yeah, I guess it, it all starts out that way, right? Mm. You know, naive, you know, motivation in your bedroom when you're 13 with a black light poster and a strobe light and shit, you know? Uh, <laughs> that's exactly where it was, you know? And one thing I would like to point out to anyone that's listening to this that wasn't, you know, a teenager in the late 70s, early 80s, there was no huge fire hose of you know music art you know uh, content it just was not there so anytime any album came out it was a big fucking deal yeah 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 and so there were music- it, it's like the tv had three networks the record labels there were you know have four or five labels and the releases every week would all get like the releases would come from A&R guys who scouted out clubs, found bands, found people that were incredible. And then they would sign them to five album deals and develop them as an artist. I mean, it was a it was a big deal. It was like a TV show being released or a movie coming out at the multiplex when, when yeah. the big album came out. Yeah. And it was much harder to get your music in front of these people in the pipeline in any way, shape or form as mm. it is now. Yeah. Um, so when, you know, and, and there was maybe two good radio stations in town that you would listen to or some dude down the street that had, you know, that he would just always have the new album. He would wait in line or whatever. And it's like, dude, I got sticky fingers. I'm like, mom, I'm going over there, <laughs> smoke a joint and listen to fucking sticky first time. It was amazing. It was know? a romantic time. It was yeah. um, rock and roll was what politics is today it was what everybody talked about and the rock stars set the cultural tone and they wrote songs with lyrics that sometimes you know were very much commentary on you know my hope i die before i get old my generation um four dead in ohio i mean to me anyway the rock music the music was the culture yeah exactly it was you're right there was there was a, that was a way for people to get their opinions out there, and certainly there were, you know, a lot of songs about getting laid and stuff. But well, uh, I, I knew when you said <laughs> that you your first idea was let's do sports because I could be a jock and get lots of girls. That rock was your second choice as far as girls, right? Well, you know, it, it was it was lucky because uh, yeah, it, it was it was nice early on to be the guitar player guy, um, but. That's not why I did it. And, you know, you asked before, like, why I continue to do it. And, you know, I tried to give it up a few times, but. Did you really? Tell me about that. Tell me about a little more about that. Okay. Well, um, so I was lucky to be in a band called Sweetwater. We got a record deal. We toured around the U.S. I played on stage with Allison Chains. I did some amazing. Sweetwater was huge. Yeah, in, in Seattle, it was great and really didn't get the uh, promotion it deserved from the record labels. And you could argue maybe we didn't have the songs, but it was a really good band. And uh, But I was sort of the outsider there, so that didn't, you know, event, that, 
wasn't where How do you I, mean outsider like the lead singer songwriter was the big deal and you were a side man or well uh, all the guys in the band you know grew up in seattle they all went to yeah. the blue school um you know no, they, they wouldn't wear flannel you refuse to wear flannel <laughs> no the <laughs> funny thing is yeah. no i'm telling you <laughs> That's exactly what I wore in Indianapolis. I had I didn't know what fucking grunge was, but I would wear a solid color t-shirt and a flannel shirt and some jeans, and that was it. My uniform just which color shirt with which flannel today, you know? And it's just like now this is grunge. It's like that's what I wore in 1979 until I finally figured out tight shirts and bell bottoms, man. But, um, but but to anyone who doesn't know, by the way, that, you know, grunge, early 90s, Seattle, Sweetwater, like a bunch of other bands, Screaming Trees. Uh, who's the band that uh, Brad Sinsel was in? Um, TKO. TKO. Yeah. TKO. A bunch yeah. of bands got signed. Goodness, friends of ours. A bunch of bands got signed with this whole wave of big bands exploding from Seattle. And uh, and some of them didn't get any support. Uh, I think that's a valid a point to make about yeah, a lot Green of Apple quick step got oh, yep. yeah and you so know. you were in you were a part of that scene which must have felt like you know rock dreams are coming true uh because that was cool but once yeah. it got successful then then we all left and toured and went somewhere else you know we <laughs> we were there was right. for us right you know and and so we all left and then it was weird coming home because People suddenly, uh, musicians were saying, well, I want to be a, in a cool band. I'm going to move to Seattle. And so a lot of people came and the scene really changed after a while. I was lucky enough to get involved with a band that got signed again in the late 90s, which was come totally random. And that was Second Coming. Uh, what another great band. I remember and, Second Coming. Oh, that's yeah. what's his name? Uh, Travis. Travis. He yeah. sang. He sang. The most caffeine you've ever seen in Seattle. Have you ever heard that one? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. I yeah. think he also did Asshole Son, Mow yeah. the Lawn. Is that Travis? That yeah, is Travis. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and and uh, break, yeah. break Away the Leaves. You remember oh, the oh, next? Oh, yeah, row the, Asshole Mow the Lawn. Put, put, the, put, put the leaves away or something. Put the oh, leaves away. All right. Yeah. Hey, man, I listened to all that <laughs> oh, shit. It was really, really and, and, and I was just blessed to know you guys because if we were doing a Twisted Tune, and I was like, well, we're not going to get Soundgarden to do this Twisted Tune. And, you know, Travis came over, and he was... But he was a little, uh, if I may say... I, I loved loved him, and he was artistically brilliant. He seemed a little moody. Is that Did it come with being in a grunge band? Not... <laughs> The better part of valor. Anyway, it's, more like, so, it's more like the gravitational pull when you're the center of the universe. Makes yeah, it a little yeah, tough yeah. to interact with other so, humans. So you know, anyway, you know so what? yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have to just say, all respect to Travis. He's oh, one yeah. of the amazing singers oh. and amazing songwriters. And I'm so proud of that record that we yeah. did together. Oh. And I, I love him like a brother. So if people are going to Google you from this grunge era, they're gonna Google screaming. I'm sorry. They're gonna Google Sweetwater and War Baby. Second coming. Second coming. Uh, second coming. Excuse me. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Know. It's it was... funny you keep bringing up um, uh, Tommy. Uh, uh, Tommy Gunn. Yeah, Tommy Gunner's bands. You know, and and I'm good friends with Owen from My Sister's Machine. Yeah. And, uh, Tommy McMullen, and uh, you know he was in TKO and. 
Wasn't um, Evan Sheely in TKO? He was in G5. G5. Oh, Q, okay. I'm sorry, Q5, Q5, Q5. I think Q5. Evan's played with and you. T- I think you saw some video of Evan, him at the yeah. 99 Club with you. I was yeah, watching yeah. your Evan videos all day. Me today. for a while. It was great. Great. All right. Love yeah. Evan. All right. Okay, where, where are we going with this? Somebody well, well let, me, let, me, let me let me say let me, something. Let me finish the part that you didn't finish. You tried yeah. to get out of music, but it was in your blood. That's where we were going with that. Oh, God, yeah. And then, then I decided, okay, well, I'm going to take out a loan and buy a house and fix it up because I had done some work in L.A. Uh, in construction, and I figured, well, okay, this can't be that hard, can it? So I bought a house on a, a Capitol Hill, and, uh, a big house built in 1907, and I fixed it up. And then I tried to sell it in early 99, right when the kind of the tech crash hit. And so suddenly people with, a, you know, ginormous paydays weren't looking for a million dollar plus houses. So I took a big bath on it. And that's when I realized Dude, you should just shut the fuck up and play guitar. Play guitar. Just yeah. fucking do it. That's when I started working at Bad Animals. It was actually called IQ Beats. And we did uh, imaging music for Jingles. radio yeah. stations and needle drop stuff and other other custom stuff. And how did you hear about Spike and the Impaler? Spike, you could take over now if you want to ask the question. I'm yeah. Good. Go ahead, Dad. Uh... I heard about it because I listened to your show all the time. I was a big fan. And, you know, I I don't know if you remember, but you interviewed us in Sweetwater and Second Coming. And, yep. and you know, when we followed you all around the radio stations, KISW, KZOK, you know, uh, it, it was great. And you guys really, you and Spike and Joe and, and Eric and the whole crew, you know, really a big part of, you know, the morning dealio. Because, of course, Seattle, you're going to be stuck in your fucking car driving <laughs> everywhere. And they're, well, these guys are on. And, you know, you're fighting, you, you know. It, and so it was always so fun to be on it and like, well, oh, they need a guitar. Yeah, we talked about it on the air. We needed a guitar player. That's right. We we we, we, we had been making Twisted Tunes for about 10 years or so at that point. At least I had with Bob. Bob, Bob started much earlier than I, you know. But Bob's like, we need to do this in front of people and start a band up. And we want to build it from the audience. And I mean, you want to talk about blessed. We got, you know, the rhythm section of the Paul Rogers group, you know, in in Jeff and Lynn, Jeff, Keith and Lynn Sorensen and Joe Shikani. And then we had auditions from the audience and the other guys showed up from fucking Sweetwater and Second Coming. That's we're like, right. okay, we're done. Thanks, guys. Plus a plus a sixteen year old kid, yeah, Ian Crawford, who, yeah, who would end up, end up in Panic at the Disco. So uh, <laughs> yeah, we like, we are a bunch of flamethrowers. That was I amazing. This podcast with how amazing luck has been to us about yeah. people like you coming into our lives. Well, I mean, you you guys, you know. You attracted it like a like a pile of shit around a bunch of flies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or one of those bugs. Or, no, or a campfire. Spike, you go ahead for a bit. I know you got yeah, a There's um well you I just want to tell a quick a quick, quick story. Tell a quick story. We we one of the first gigs we had, um, and Bob is so smart about you know starting a radio station band because you know, we didn't have, we got opening gigs for all these national touring acts. We need a little extra push, right? And uh, I think Leonard Skinner was touring, and one of the first gigs we played was Leonard Skinner. Yeah, we um, were there. And 
they had sold like you know three thousand tickets in Spokane and three thousand tickets in Portland. But when we could say, "Hey, we're opening for Leonard Skinner," we sold like seven thousand tickets up in Everett. You know, and and just we and we got on stage as the opener and smoked the place. I mean, we I mean, you know, of course, we're opening for major national touring acts. But the promoters were. Would you do me the, a favor, Spike? Would you send my dog Toto? outside? No, speak yeah. to Toto in Toto's language. I'd like to hear the mm. two of you talk. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, She's, you're exactly right. And I remember that show vividly. And we were in like some big hockey rink in Everett. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was like, Center. holy shit. Yeah. This well, it was funny. It was funny because they said they gave us like, you can go from between here and here on the stage, but don't go over there and don't go up on the risers. And we did our sound check, and and uh, Skinner's tour, um, Skinner's tour manager was like, "You guys can use as much of the stage as you want, man. Go okay. wherever yeah. the hell you want." We, and we really owned it. But but uh, but we're talking about ZZ Top, and we're we're playing one that we got to open for ZZ Top. Were you and, in the uh, band when we opened for ZZ Top? Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, oh yeah, it was because I remember Dudley's that front ripping up. I forget what we were playing. We weren't playing "Waiting for the Bus." I know that. But you were you were doing something and just destroying this song. And look over, and Billy Gibbons is on the side of the stage watching you play. His head shaking, his beard's wagging back and forth. I'm like, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. uh, Get all the people we got to open up for. Foreigner. Did we? Yeah, who else did we open up for? Yeah, Spike? Foreigner. That was. Uh, yeah, that was, at Marymore. Yeah, Starship. Um, yeah, we opened up for Ken Wayne Shepherd. And the thing was that though, after that show, where you guys realized you could sell a lot of tickets. Well, fuck that. We're going to play one of the casinos and we're going to headline and make you know and, we actually and, we actually for a period of a good close to 10 years um the casinos it. knew that they could instead of a $75 ticket for, you know, a uh Paul Rogers or a Joe Cocker or Doobie Brothers, oh. they could do a $25 ticket for the radio station audience. They could pay us relatively shit but i can tell you now at one point the band made uh, i think the high water mark was uh and this is after the radio station got paid for the advertising was 17,500 bucks for a 90 minute set and and what we did back then remember this spike we gave it all to the musicians we didn't yeah. take any money because we were getting paid for the radio later on we thought better hey guys that. guess guess what my life is like now uh, <laughs> What's that? Guess what my life is like now with my band. I want to hear. I want to hear. All right, we're going to come back to you. But I also want to bring Zip into the After conversation. This commercial break. Yeah, no, no. Zip Zip uh, is here, dearly beloved friend of mine. We're lifelong <laughs> friends. He's an, he's an incredible musician, and I know he feels like this is old home for us. Uh, but Zip, you, you've played with some big, big names, and, and you know what Dudley is doing right now, touring the world. Like, where are you going to be, Denmark? Actually, uh, on Thursday, I'm leaving for Bosnia. I'm going to play a festival. Bosnia. In Mostar. Jesus. Bosnia. I know. Weird, huh? Zip, could you have ever done that tour? I mean, you're a good enough. He's a really good player, trust me. He's very modest and very humble and very quiet, uh, except when it's just him and me talking, <laughs> and then he has to talk. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> would you have, would you, could you have toured as a musician for your whole life if, if that had gone that way? Me? No, I'm asking Zip because I'm trying to bring him in. Yeah, I guess, yeah. 
yeah. Uh, ironically, ironically, it was it was running into you after one of the bands folded, because I, I had always wanted to do radio. I, you know, and I kind of was a little burnout after ten or twelve years and three hundred bucks, same three hundred dollars in my savings account for a decade and a half. Which and, was doing uh, well uh, for a musician and, at yeah, the time. I, it would have been yeah. fun. You were in the Cooper Dodge band, right? <laughs> and you had a hit. It was a small regional hit. Yeah, Come that on. was the big record deal, Atco Records. Yeah. yeah. On Atco Records, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was indeed. So wait a minute. So but, and I, it was one words, of those if I had run rec- into Dudley who wanted to be in radio, I would have killed his musical career like I killed yours. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> It's timing, know, timing I... and luck, you know? It really okay. is. A lot of it's right. luck. So are you doing uh, blues now, Dud? You know, please currently tell me Dud- playing Dudley. Blues, yeah. original blues. Um, you know, um you know, it's funny. It's like, is it fucking blues or not? I mean, you know, maybe I'll get in trouble, but blues is Blues is a really old art form, and I don't see any point in doing just countless retreads of the same old shit. But blues, to me, has come to mean sort of a style, in a way, of rock and roll Mm -hmm. that I write. And some of my shit is, you know, might actually be a blues progression. And maybe, yeah, that's a blues song. But most of it is not. And I don't really care to try to write a bunch of blues songs, but there is a built-in audience there and it's nice and it feels natural because the shit I grew up listening to was all British invasion and Southern rock and, you know, some pop, I guess, American pop, but a lot of it was blues based, you know, Z shit, ZZ top. I mean, you know, machine head, Purple. I mean, there's three f- just full-on blues songs on there, yeah. you know, and and it, it and Jimi Hendrix, you know, is all very bluesy, and that's a very comfortable space for me. Do I love to rock? Yes, I yeah. do, and I I will do like Second Coming rock, <laughs> heavy rock shit all fucking day long. But you know, it's hard to really kind of do both, and this is just a comfortable spot for me now. All right. I am named. Is that like Bob festival? Have, have, oh yeah, you go ahead, Zip. I did, I Is it no festival type dates overseas? Um, well, yeah, some festivals and some clubs, and not so many bars anymore, but that kind of stuff. Yeah, so this is a festival gig, and it's put on by this dude, and his he has the greatest name, Dragon Nikitovich. It's just a great name. <laughs> Right, you know, and uh, he's this dude from southern Germany and he puts on like huge shows like Celine Dion, he'll bring ACDC to Paris or some crazy ass shit. And I've met him a few times and he really likes blues rock guitar and lead guitar. And he came and hung out with me after some show in Saarbrück in Germany. And and he just called me up and said, hey, man, about the show. Now it's like I'm not going to make any money because I'm going all the way out there and, you know, for playing one hour. But it's like mm, I need to be in this guy's wheelhouse and get more of these gigs because if that was on a tour, then that would pay for, you know, a lot of the expense right there. The travel, yeah. You get to travel gigs. Really, you know, and I'm sort of like kind of like 
at the point where I'm either aging in <laughs> into or, being a blues guy, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. you know, but it just takes, it, Hey, it takes a long time in Europe and especially Germany to build a following, but I've kind of gotten this little nug that grows every year and it's fun as hell to go over there and play. So I'm expanding into Spain this year. So that should be fun. Hopefully. The, when you, when you do a tour over Europe, I know you've got like three or four countries together, or you know, and do you do you have to like do you have to, is that is what makes it monetarily worthwhile for you or viable? Not worthwhile, but monetarily feasible to get over there and play a series to give you the big expenses getting there, then hopping around the continent for a couple of months or so, play enough shows to make it worth your while to get there. Yeah, it's it that's the equation and it's really tough. And honestly, you know, um, for me it's a labor of love because uh, unless I really, you know, look, I'm, I've had raised a family, I had kids. I can't just go and be in a van and sleep on floors forever. I'm 57 now, although I'm in good motherfucking shape and I did 60 pushups on my birthday. Bitches. I saw that by the way. I saw that. I wow. uh, was 70 media. last year. If I wasn't on these fucking beta blockers for this, mm -hmm. anyway, never mind. But, um, <laughs> What were we talking about? It's um, nice to Tor have you Tor on. Torin, yeah. yeah. It's nice no, to have but, you on a fucking yeah. podcast, by the way, so you can yeah. say fuck. I never knew you were actually that trash mouthy. <laughs> well, I think I think some things need accentuating, Bob. And if mm. you drop the f bomb in at just the right fucking place, it makes sense. <laughs> at least that's what my dad taught me. He didn't you know, for it. as long as you did it well. All right. Let me let me. Uh, 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 I was going to do this thing. Yeah. I'm I'm name dropping Bob, and I haven't dropped this name yet. But if you're looking at Dudley, you're looking him at him in his his home studio in Cincinnati. I won't give you the address. Uh, very heavily secure, guard dogs, everything. Don't even think of it. But that studio is incredible. Is that an SSL or a Neve? What what kind of console is that? That's an SSL 4000E. Ah, oh, the E series. It's a, it's a, it's a beauty. That it is, is a beauty. Um, can I name drop uh, who used yes, to own that? Yes, of who, course, of course. Who, who used to own that studio. Uh, another guy who picked up the guitar and, you know, has it's been a labor of love and he's played guitar for a long time. <laughs> Peter Frampton. That's... Yeah the house you bought did you buy it from peter or was there an in-between owner no i bought it from peter and and you know it's funny because you know i've bought and sold a couple of houses over my lifetime but i had more interaction with peter as an owner than i've ever had with an over <laughs> owner of a house and one of the reasons was we bought the house in the summer of nine of 2019 20, and uh he was going to be on tour until the end of August, but we needed to get our kids in the house before August 15th. Cause that's when they start school around here. Um, so we made a deal or I bought the house and then, but then he came in with all of his dudes and took all of his gear out of the studio, you know? So he had all like <laughs> in the, the, so we're in the control room, but there's another room here where the, the drums are set up and you know it's maybe a, a 15 by 15 room and it's just full of amps i mean there was probably 35 so, to 40 
tube amps in there. So wait a minute, you built that studio? He took all the equipment out, or did he? Did you end up getting the equipment? Well, uh, no. So I I purchased the board because this thing these things are impossible to move. They just are. You know, it's ridiculous. Forget it. You, you know, it's okay. an operation. Bob knows. You put yes, the you put the board in, and then you build the house around it. Yeah, right. exactly. It's like getting a heart transplant. <laughs> Maybe do it once if mm. you're lucky. You know, so. All right, so you bought the house from Peter Frampton. That's yeah. the console. But he had taken a bunch of stuff out, so you had to redo the studio, basically. Um, You know, it's funny. Yeah, I, I did buy some gear from him, but I do have a lot of outboard gear because I've been doing this for a long time but he left the couches and like two like hand woven rugs from nepal and you know i i'm like are you gonna these tables and lamps which are kind of nice in here are you gonna take this he's like no 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 comes with the studio i'm like all right well thanks man so he was a good guy about all this he was uh a sweetheart Mm. you know absolutely just a sweetheart even invited me to come see his new studio in nashville i had lunch with him he played me a new song i played him one of the songs i recorded here in between you know the time i bought it and when i saw him and it was just a real sweet guy invite me to come and sit in the friends and family section when he would come to cincinnati i mean just you know uncle pete you know (laughs) super super nice you know yeah and you know everyone i mean it's been it's been too long now, but you know, even the first few years he would send me a text, dude, send me a picture of how I mounted that thing on the wall over there. Okay. You know, or so he still has an emotional connection, obviously. Oh, I think so. Because this, this is a Dave Mattingly studio. Dave Mattingly, not the guy from NPR. The, the, this guy designed studios that are in Blackbird and Nashville. No, I've heard of them. Yeah. Other yeah. Studios. This studio in Cincinnati is a real oddity and it's a world-class studio in my freaking house. So how weird is that? So remember earlier, if you're listening, I left when I was nine and I came back 37 years later, 30. And anyway, I mean, that's a long fucking time. And I buy Peter Frampton's house. Yeah. How weird is this shit? No one wanted to buy this house. <laughs> oh, of year. What is that ugly thing? How do we get it the fuck out of there? You know, yeah. but it is off the hill. It's a little challenging, but it's totally off the grid. You cannot find this fucking place. Good, good luck. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Secret <laughs> Service has it has you surrounded if you should try. Uh, all right. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know where to go with this, but I know where I want to end up, yeah. which is I want to play your uh, your song "Skin and Bones," and I'll play the whole thing if you want. Sure. Oh, hey, hey, uh, hey! Let me let me ask a quick question before sure. you before you move on. It, um, Dudley, are you? I know you still you still fly, right? You still you got your own plane, or yes? What, will you will you fly domestic tour? Do you ever do you ever fly to Europe to do a tour? Or that's too far out. No, that's too far to go in a small business jet. Yeah. In a small business jet, says Dudley, glancing at Bob, who had a small Cessna. <laughs> Well, and, a, and a smaller studio board, a little Trident ADB, but still fucking cool when we got to yeah. use it. Yeah. Now you got me saying fuck a lot. Yeah. So uh, quick story about the song. Okay. <laughs> okay. Before we play the song. Yes. Before we play the song. So my dad, my dad is, is who was also a pilot, plays banjo, 
really loves Dixieland music. So not the picking banjo, but the strumbone, that kind of shit. So uh, New Orleans Dixieland. So he buys me this CD or DVD set of Ken Burns jazz series. You know, and at the wrong time in my life, I'm jazz, fuck jazz, I'm rock, man. And so uh, finally, after I watched all of the Star Trek, you know, first three seasons of the original series on my DVD on my treadmill in the new house, I'm like, well, put on the fucking jazz thing. I watched them all and it was amazing. And that's where this entire song came from. It's all about me learning about the history of jazz and rock music, ragtime gumbo, etc., and about New Orleans. And you're and in New Orleans. Yeah. Video in New Orleans. So this one turned out pretty well. Yeah, it's pretty good. Before before I play it, so when you tour, uh, literally all over the world, all over Europe uh, and the United States. Do you bring the same band everywhere you go? Uh, do you do you fly a band around with you, or do you? Um, um, no, I've had to be I've had to be flexible flexible okay. with that. You know, um, uh, the drummer thing it was a joke. New drummer, new tour, and but I started finding guys over in Europe, so we've had European drummers. So, Randy Hansen does that too. He has a European band. He just makes he has them a out completely there. Yeah. European band. Yeah. So lately, we've been using a guy from London and. Last guy was from London, and a guy was from Ireland, and uh, they're just, I mean, there's, they grow a lot of good drummers up there somehow. It's the whiskey or something. <laughs> Could be that. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Dudley Taft. <laughs> Dudley, uh, I love the song. It's called Skin and Bones. Uh, especially uh, the, the chorus you have sounds like a Muscle Shoals kind of a thing. Uh, I think I mentioned that earlier, like Sweet Home Alabama. Uh, are those? Uh, did you record all of this right behind your kitchen, right behind where you are right now? Uh, <laughs> um, oh God! Oh, this is skin and bones. No, we recorded it all here. In it's fact, all- I mixed that. And the shaker you hear on that one is a bottle of uh, baby aspirin, and the other is a bottle of Tylenol. <laughs> You'll hear it. It's like right. that's a shaker. Nope. That's any fi- final thoughts or questions anybody for Dudley before we play this? And if you want want to check out his stuff, uh, we'll put it all in the description. Of course, the bands and uh, and you can go to DudleyTaft.com and uh, and find anything you want. Yes, Spike, you got to unmute. When you, when are you playing out here again, bud? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, um, okay. I'm thinking maybe Jan, January, February of next year. Okay, I, think I did this time. That was fun. All right. It's really awesome stuff, uh, Dudley, and it's really cool to see all the cool stuff you're doing. Enjoy life. That's what it's about at this phase of life, right? Yes, it is. Get can. Okay. <laughs> Saints come marching in, gonna catch 
trouble shooting on the street like that uh, they, they nope. give any grief nice nope not at all no no one cares no. Love that. Ed, one one camera dude and a steady cam thing and then another guy directing so he could back up or whatever it's always what it's time awesome. of day did you have to shoot one day and, and those were all real drinks what what <laughs> what time of day were you shoot when you got just you on the streets like that i've never seen the ones that empty were you oh. there at four in the morning or something no, we started it at, God, we did it late in the year. So this is probably, you know, so the days are shorter. Yeah. And we started probably at 630 nice. with the, the sunlight breakfast. shots. That's and we shot until about 11. Yeah. And the kids, wow. the, the dudes that were the video guys are much younger than me. And they're like, let's keep going. I'm like, 
no way, dude. I'm fucking hammering them. Go back to the hotel. <laughs> and so they gave me that selfie stick. And so some of the shots at the end with the GoPro was was me staggering back to the hotel because those were all real drinks. And <laughs> I'm not 23, you know. <laughs> but I can still uh, hold it down with the best of them. I mm -hmm. uh, love your uh, style of playing, uh, <laughs> Deadly. It's it's super sweet, super tasty, but uh, but kind of economical compared to a lot of what a lot of guitar players try to do. Is that that's intentional, right? Um, you know, I I just think I developed my own vocabulary over the years. I just got back from a festival, okay, and so to your point. I watched a lot of guitar players playing jam bands. And I noticed that they play a lot of the same sort of things. And, you you know, there's a joke about Emily's and Ernie's. Have you heard this one? Ernie, Ernie, Ernie. Oh, why, why don't you go grab the guitar? Go grab the guitar. You have the guitar, right? Oh, yeah. or Emily, Emily, Emily. Emily right. I want to I see Emily uh, come out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. oh, look, there he is. Okay, this will just be a second. Zip by. Let's pretend he can't hear you. Did, did you like that? Because you're a pretty good judge of music. Oh, okay, awesome. Excellent. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah. Excellent. I know. I, I, I've always known how Dudley play, but listen to Dudley sing. It's pretty great because I know how hard yeah. he worked. I know how hard he has worked on vocals. Oh, that's and that's so amazing. Good. Yeah. 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 It really is. Uh, all right. Oh, hey, what's up? How how much do you smoke now to be able to sing like that? Do you did you when did you take up cigarettes? Now you know it it's I I don't I don't smoke hardly anything. I smoke a little weed every now and then, but um no uh like that. I don't know. Okay. I've I've learned I trained from Sue Carr who taught yeah. like uh, huh? you know Lane took lessons from her and. Chris uh, Cornell, lessons with her, and yeah, yeah a lot exactly. of guys. So she helped so train you she, for vocals. All right, let's get she, back she to taught the me. She taught me how to do Brian Johnson. How? Sue Carl. Because oh, remember when we started, I oh, couldn't do. I could do Bon Scott all day. Here. Yep, yep. All but I couldn't, day. couldn't do, couldn't do Brian until she taught me. What was the, right, so what was the secret? This is uh, Ernie. All right. Ernie, 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 and Emily. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, Emily, you know, so it's like, I mean, I like guitar players play like that. And I, I don't, you know, I like, yeah. I have my own ways of getting around the neck. And I think that's what every guitar player should do is develop their own vocabulary. Yeah. Nice. Give me something that's yours and what, and what name is it like? I got blisters on my fingers. Yes. Okay. It's that kind of shit. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, you know, I like making weird noises, but also I really like melody, and and sometimes it's more important to be able to. Than it is to be able to. Yeah. 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 <laughs> We all grow up, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Dudley, uh, Dudley, we're gonna we're at the one hour mark. We're gonna wrap it up. It was really uh, wonderful to catch up with you and uh, yes, 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 and 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 really just see you know a few decades later the life you're living back at the uh, you know in the family uh, compound, the homestead, by, yes, surrounded by Secret yeah. Service and <laughs> and and also just to make note of your heritage, which I think is a very I think it's a super cool thing. And uh, enjoy traveling around the world. What I'm going to do now, the song that I cut off earlier, I'll play it in its entirety. Because if you if you missed it at the beginning of the show, uh, I let him do like a verse and a chorus, and I cut him off, and he was like, "I was about to play my lead." The solo. <laughs> the solo. My solos are my trademark. All right. What, what's it called? Screaming in the what? Screaming in the wind. Screaming in the wind. All right, everybody. Good night, Dudley Taft. We need out here